0: Today we are picking up with part two of the conversation with Con Lavery. Con is the author of 38 short stories and 10 novels, including Rave, Seed Me, and the Mental Damnation series. He also designs cover art and beyond his own books has worked with authors Eddie Generis, Jessa Forrest, and Leslie Hodgins. Alongside writing, Con is an accomplished web designer, graphic designer, and multi-instrumentalist. You can hear his music projects Woke and Con Artist on Bandcamp and they accompany his many audiobooks and transmedia productions. Enjoy picking up where we left off last week. If you haven't heard the previous episode, just check back for part one. This is the final part two of that interview.
1: Probably was a motivator that my very first tattoo was the design for the final book in that fantasy series. So every day I would just have to look at this tattoo (laughs) as as a physical reminder. It's like, it's not done by the way. And every morning I'd see it. So I was like, oh, yeah, I should maybe do something about that. And because if people ask, it's like, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, it's for a book that I'm working on. So it was just kind of got old saying that instead of saying, like, yeah, it's for a book that I wrote. Um, the past tense just kind of makes it better for my own, I guess, psyche or ego, whatever you want to <laughs> call that. Um, but yeah, now, it, now it's different where um, I think there's a lot more Uh, assurance with the when a a book comes out where I've got a cleaner process of doing revisions and making it as clean as possible passing it to beta readers eventually the editor and then marketing it and understanding you don't just hit the upload button and the book's done there's months in preparation and months in preparation for post-launch so it's a much cleaner approach that, yeah, it can basically reach a larger audience and makes the uh, book have more credibility rather than just, ta-da, it's out.
0: Yeah, the, the post-launch is always something that uh, many people underestimate uh, or don't know exists. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something definitely with the first few releases that it's maybe not anticipated or... Maybe it's over-anticipated with the first release for some authors. It really, really depends. And Kathy Koja often would say that a book is a conversation. And all of these works, whether it's a short story, is is a conversation that you're having with those that are consuming it. And they're going to interpret it back to you, maybe at a very low percentage. Maybe you'll hear from one of a hundred people that read your work directly but it is all so useful so i can see that just growing release by release and i, I definitely like there's activity on line that i get to see people interacting with you in your work so that's fantastic considering it's really a, a short ish it doesn't seem short but what is that uh 10 years of publishing
1: yeah yeah it's uh 10 years been going at it and mix of self-publishing and smaller boutique publishers so uh, I've learned a lot of things what not to do
0: (laughs) that's that's really valuable there are definitely some authors that don't learn but uh, starting out from that DIY kind of self-publishing realm which has got so much more education the past 10 years just over the past 10 years when you would have started there wasn't a lot or as much of authors doing it that were successful in whatever way you wanted to find that or just the, the tutorials. So you had some education behind you, but were there other authors that were doing that, that you were looking up to or continue to?
1: Yeah, there wasn't much info back then. And I had looked around to see what other authors were doing and it didn't seem, nothing seemed cohesive. So I actually looked at a lot more or a lot more what musicians were doing and they seemed a lot more forward thinking And I think their audience were, too, which was where this backfired, um, where they were more embrace of the web, where I think readers back then were mostly just jumping to Amazon and looking through the lists, which was something I should have learned a lot sooner is understanding how Amazon does its main lists and sub lists that are hidden versus trying to do just promote directly from my website and working with keywords and social media. Which was basically what bands were doing so i took that approach and i think it worked really well uh locally within and on social media where these people were already interested in what i was doing um, to some degree and it helped with the conventions but it didn't work to get like a larger audience so it the ceiling was very low so i was able to do some success with that but yeah i, I didn't realize readers were actually on the distributor sites like Kobo and Amazon and that's where I should have been making my focus and now I follow authors on YouTube well Chris Fox is one of them and there is the self-publishing show and I know his first name's Mark and I'm forgetting the last name but I, I look at some of those to see what they're doing and having a blog where I interview other authors has helped me just learn what other people are doing too because there's so many different options out there on how to approach it one i just interviewed recently is catherine hudson so i learned about how she went from ghostwriting to writing her own stuff and doing really well at it and yeah her approach on that and yeah it's uh, everyone's got their own way of doing it so now i'm now that things are more developed um i'm definitely taking cues from authors more instead of musicians
0: that is a fascinating kind of concept I've, I've often likened promotion of books to music promotion and I found that the streams have crossed in a way and maybe not so good for musicians because there seems to be um, it's harder to discover music like there was such a boom with say MySpace music and the way that YouTube ran their music and there was a lot easier discovery on Bandcamp, let's say and these other independent platforms and online only platforms it was so much easier but now I don't know if there's a a glut or it's bottlenecked and there's not as many artists or the larger record labels have finally clued in and, and they're sort of mucking up the works in a way so it's harder to find independent or new music even and with books it seems to be that there is a lot easier discovery methods and a lot more discovery methods but there are still those hidden amazon lists i'll never quite understand that even finding horror is hard it's hard to find horror in chapters website as well so that's interesting that you're like working to dissect that all this time and even more so now by learning from other authors which i think we all do to a certain extent you know look to other authors none of us really uh live or write in a vacuum so it's very valuable the interviews that you're doing and the learning that you're doing and that other authors can look up to what you are doing i think that's fantastic so that would probably tie into my next question about the biggest revelation about the business or the craft of writing uh from your first release to now and i see that's an ongoing process have there been any other uh huge barriers that you found where you thought something would be very simple or something that you thought would mm-hmm. be insurmountable and you hit publish and poof, it all fell into place. Oh,
1: you know, I had a real good revelation um, over, over the past year is I understood the term right to market and right for passion, but I didn't, it didn't really click at all. And it didn't really come in until, yeah, the past year where instead of going to conventions, i had to make a complete 180 and focus a lot more online and figuring out how to market books online and I went from like ads doing ads from like BookBub to facebook and doing these newsletter sites or news promo sites that uh authors like and readers like too so those worked well together and I learned about right to market versus yeah writing what you like and I've always done write what you like um and I've seen on these newsletters that i subscribe to just to see what other people are doing and learn through osmosis the books that are on these promo sites are being advertised through ads and then see how they climb these these hidden lists on amazon and how they managed to stay on these lists Um, is because they're the good ones that stay on the list are very tailored to that sub list and learning that how powerful a right to market is and you want to play to tropes and i always thought you wanted to avoid tropes learning that tropes are actually a good thing when you want a story to be uh enjoyed and liked by a particular type of reader i don't know like horror has very has a lot of tropes and then subgenres of horror has tropes versus like romance so you don't want to have too much romance if you're writing a horror novel because then you're gonna upset that reader for what their expectations are but then you don't want to also ride the line of making too many tropes because then the book's predictable and no one likes it i think that's been the biggest revelation where i thought you had to write something innovative and original um but if you do that you you end up existing in this outer orbit space instead of um honing in because uh that kind of leads into the next thing something that i thought um was difficult that i'm learning is easier now is uh knowing your own market and understanding what genre you fall on into i thought that was going to be a lot harder but learning that's uh a little easier as i'm seeing these different genres learning from this list like oh there's a bunch of subgenres, and these are obvious very straightforward keywords that people look for
0: I still struggle with that myself definitely not that my writing style is very varied but i mean and this isn't what i write but it's i'd love to read a space marines with werewolves or with zombies or something but then there's people out there that want that with romance and that's one person out of most of them (laughs) most of our readers are saying well which is it space marines a love story or werewolves like make up your mind yeah. You might want to read the love story of two space marines battling werewolves that happen to turn into zombies. But yeah, <laughs> it needs to be narrow to a certain extent without tipping over into mediocrity or mimicry, I suppose. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones is really good at taking our tropes that we love and know already and twisting them in his own way, which I guess that's our job, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. And- it's funny you mentioned uh you had read that toronto drug short story because um, on that note of like space marines and werewolves and romance it's that short is to a story idea i've had gosh probably getting close oh, over 15 years and it's a story idea that combines a bunch of stuff that like pure passion i really want to tell it but it mixes so many genres i'm like oh man is this just gonna be a real confusing story to people because it it doesn't know what it is yet so it, yeah I, I totally get what you're saying on on uh, mixing too many things
0: when i'd read the uh, back jacket copy of the walking sun which you did the artwork for and that was a yeah. pleasant surprise when i opened that it was shortly after reading rave too uh oh. that i saw some other art from from you on another's book and originally i thought oh there's a lot going on in this story but it's all things that I'm interested in. I mean, but he pulls it all together where a lot of artists can't, you know, they have all these moving parts they want to because their passion is driving it. Right to market is a struggle with myself. It's the three act story is a struggle because I want to bust out of that so bad. Yeah. I always have. But yeah. yeah, writing to market is something we want to, We all I think we always want to bust out of unless that's just the way our own passion works right so it's constantly sort of a tug of war that's a fantastic insight in that you recognize that where a lot of us don't even recognize these things that may be barriers
1: yeah on both sides too or like then not to out anyone but i've been to writing conventions where like you meet other authors and that are out pitching their stuff and it's like your story is just kind of like this other mainstream one have you thought about maybe doing this or something. And then they're like, eh, no. And it's like, well, then you're, you're kind of just doing a knockoff. That's also on the flip side that not everyone likes to hear. Just like on the other side, where it's like you're trying to be innovative and original. And it's like, yeah, your stuff's too weird. And it's like, oh, <laughs> maybe I should actually hone it in a little bit. But that's why I do like the Seventh Terrace um, that published The Walking Sun. They, they do want to do stuff different. And they're also finding their own way through the giant publishing sea um, but they love to do weird stuff that manages to work and makes quality fiction.
0: They're a new publisher to me as well and there is um, sort of a drought of Canadian publishers so I mean they are Canadian I'm I'm guessing?
1: Yes yeah uh, Calgary actually I met them at uh, When Words Collide um, and I knew the two before They started the publishing house and then they i think they started it in 2019 um so it's new new and yeah they've got a a good collection now
0: i'll definitely check out more of that because it's something i think that canadian authors sort of struggle with not only like the distance between cities and conventions and the lack of conventions the lack of publishers the lack of agents i mean i don't i don't know any agents that live in canada all maybe a handful in toronto or uh, Vancouver, but like other than that, it's just a drought here—a serious drought. You do live near uh, a city center, so it's a little easier, I, I suspect. With the pandemic, of course, travel's been restricted. But did you find that it was easier? I mean, I have a jealousy of our American counterparts because they seem to be able yeah. to travel and have a little more ease of networking. Uh, did you find that that Canada is has been like a a suppressive thing like that or do you find that you can work with this weird low population density that we have
1: well that's, that that's an interesting one cuz the writing convention in alberta which, it, which is when words collide happens in calgary and there's people from all over some from the uk some from the us other parts of canada they all fly to this one and it's a they cap the tickets i think like not not very high so it's very intimate which is intentional um because if it got too big it'd just be a mess but yeah you meet all sorts of people there so it's that's been effective but as a whole uh everyone in alberta has been great but i I, you can see it's it is just a unfortunately a small pond and i don't know about the west coast off in vancouver and then there's obviously toronto as well so but i've noticed canada's small and because all these people come to when words collide it's like oh this is kind of the hub where people go every year and that shows that canada does have a small imprint in the writing world and the, well there's also the saying where canlit comes from and that's got a name all on its own and that you're seeing it change now but it's um yeah the americans and the united kingdom definitely have a much bigger market and more more opportunities but i think there's it's starting to grow here and i eventually want to uh, might be moving next year so might see one of the bigger cities like toronto or vancouver to see what the market is and i mean the states is also really close you've got new york just below toronto and vancouver you just got that whole west coast um which has from what i've been looking online has tons of writing conventions so i'm gonna see if i can network more once normality returns and Uh, You can meet these people and network with them opposed to just cold emailing or cold calling and pitching to people that way because they get thousands of emails a day. So it's like, oh, I got to what's what's an easier way. It's actually just accidentally meeting these people at conventions or intentionally, depending. (laughs)
0: Oh, absolutely. And the internet definitely uh, greases those wheels in a way I've seen many authors who only knew each other or their publishers or their agents online. And then they get, sometimes it's a once in a lifetime thing. They get to go to a convention and finally meet everyone. And the relationships forged there are irreproducible and irreplaceable right so it just there's nothing quite like that face-to-face networking I, i really do miss that even though i'm not the most social person but i think it's doubly important to canadians because we do have that low population density in a very small pond as you say yeah well before we wrap up today tell us about what you're working on right now or what you're looking forward to most on the horizon
1: Ooh. Yeah, I've got a few things on the go. <laughs> it's it, uh, reaching this weird like intersection point where a number of projects are basically they are kind of done at the same time. Um, but the immediate immediate is I'm re-releasing a horror story I wrote in 2016, um, which was Seed Me, and making it's basically a retelling and it's the edition is going to be called the relapse edition so it's like returning to something in a worse state so it's got new scenes it's got a new telling and uh just a fresh version of that aiming for october um if i get everything lined up which ties into that whole macrocosm thing where i wrote a kind of sequel to it which is why i went back and fixed it up so that's kind of I guess more on the horizon, but then what I'm most excited about is, uh, this kind of dark urban fantasy series about it's related to that Toronto drug story. And it's going to be a multi-part story, probably at least four books. And it ties everything together with the macrocosm. Cause right now it's been pretty clear. We've got the fantasy stuff. You've got the modern day world and the sci-fi world, and it all strings together through short stories. But this new series is, uh, gonna make it really obvious about these um blending worlds um because before it's kind of like there's hints in the fantasy because it's so mystical it's like how is this even attached to the real world other than there's a few key hints uh where this dark fantasy is gonna make it really obvious
0: i like the sounds of that especially because i really enjoyed the two sort of ends of that as far as the horror i'm very much looking forward to see me for that aspect and the like gritty urban drama sort of thing which there isn't enough of here i remember a filmmaker friend of mine commenting there's not enough canadian dark crime drama and he was shooting that sort of film and there's you know it dawned on me i've i don't think i've ever read a canadian crime author let alone just dark gritty urban aside from chris walters who had written this very dark vancouver centric and drugs and crime and street life and it was just very intersectional in the darkest ways right and other than that though I've never read anything quite like it so I was really excited to see that to know that they're all going to intermingle with some sci-fi and fantasy however it's quite exciting
1: yeah yeah that's like we were talking earlier well it, when you blend a lot of stuff um it can become tricky and that's why I think this will need multiple books to try and marry it all together nicely but that one's very much passion driven where i'm just kind of following the story where it goes and doesn't have a strict deadline where i've got like the seed me thing coming out sooner just to have um a new release um that works well and doesn't uh so i don't just disappear for five years or something
0: (laughs) that's fantastic to be able to go back and uh, do a relapse as far as a rewrite i like that terminology too. So people can find you at conlavery.com and uh, patreon.com slash conlavery. Is there anywhere else that you hang out online?
1: Yeah, those those are the good ones. Uh yeah there's the newsletter that's a monthly thing, which you can find on conlavery.com. Um then there's I'm on Instagram which is instagram.com slash conlavery and Facebook Conlavery. And those are the ones i'm on most often and the newsletter gives you the insights and the patreon gives you new short stories within the macrocosm and yeah the website will have all the books uh, a wikipedia which explains more of the macrocosm and other goodies
0: yeah the macrocosm is a great thing to navigate on your website so everyone go check that out well thank you very much for your time today and this fantastic and enlightening conversation i hope everyone gets as much out of it as i did and we'll probably catch up with you in a year or so after the macrocosm grows by another world or two yeah yeah thanks for
1: having me lydia it's been a lot of fun
0: thanks have a great day you too and thus ends the bonus episode for today and i'll thank you very much for listening Of course, check back soon for more bonus episodes. These aren't found on the YouTube show. So as a special thank you to listeners of the podcast, here we are. You can find the essays at typicalbooks.com. And if you're interested in the full length episodes, check out the Patreon or Apple podcasts. If there's anything that you think that I ought to be talking about on Typical Books, let me know. And... Make sure you have an ookie spooky day.